0: Well, hey there everyone, I'm Daniel Hahn and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church and this is our podcast and I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. been speaking about prophets, Old Testament prophets. Today, I want to share with you the prophet who proved There was a God in Israel. The prophet who proved that there was a God in Israel. When David faced Goliath, and I know that Lee already commented about David, but when David faced Goliath, the champion of the Philistines, right before David made his charge, before he took off running at that guy that was probably twice his size of him, Probably outraged him more than two to one. And he began to run to him. But notice what he said in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45 and 46. Then David said to the Philistine, you doofus. No, he didn't say that. (laughs) David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the fields that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He said, the reason I'm fighting this giant is not because I wanted something to do. The reason I'm fighting this giant is not because I need to get a wife. And Saul had promised a wife to whoever killed him. He said, the reason I'm fighting Goliath is because I want to show the world that there's a God in Israel. And I know some of you say, well, David wasn't a prophet. That was not the one that I was speaking of. He was a forerunner, but a relatively short period of time later. See the entire time of the kings, from Saul to the last king, was only around 465 years. So historically that was not a long time. But he was David followed up Saul, the first king, but in a short period of time, there was a guy by the name of Ahab. He fell in love with a lady by oh no, not, not a lady. Fell in love with a woman by the name of Jezebel. And even today, when we talk about somebody that's a Jezebel, that's not a high compliment. Ahab and Jezebel were two of the most wicked people that's ever lived. They were very, very wicked. And the nation had deteriorated to the place that Ahab and Jezebel were king and queen. There was a prophet by the name of Elijah. He appears on the scene. Now, what do we know about Elijah? Very little. He is known as Elijah the Tishbite. Why was he called the Tishbite? Because he's from Tishba. That was where he was from. Elijah the Tishbite. And that was just came from because of his name where he came from. James shares a little bit about him. Just two verses. James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Where it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Now, he was... What he was saying, he's just just like us. Elijah was a man just like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Let me say that again. Three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So what was he saying? Saying that um, Elijah was just plain old Joe. He was a good old boy. He was no one of a great significance by birth. Where he was from, do any of you know where Tishbal is? He was a nobody. He was like you and I. Now you say, well, huh? That sounds good. Yes, it's very encouraging. I'm glad that God can use a nobody. I said, I'm glad that God can use a nobody. You know what that means? He can use you. You say, wait a minute, I'm a somebody. Well, I tell you what, Moses was a somebody that had to become a nobody before God can make him somebody. And sometimes we need to understand that. But I'm so glad that God can use the plain old Joes of life. He can use people like you and I. And Elijah, it says about him in Romans chapter 11, verse 2 through 6. Notice what it says. He says, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel. Now, notice this. He appeals to God against Israel. Now I know this is going to hurt. It hurts me. Because he says, Lord, they have killed your prophets, and they have demolished your altars, and I am alone and left, and they seek my life. Elijah prayed against Israel. I said, Elijah prayed against Israel. Many of us are praying for America. I'm praying for America. I'm praying for our country. But folks, we need to be honest and realize that our nation has some issues that we need to pray against. We need to pray against them. It said, but what is God's reply to him? This is what God told Elijah. He said, Elijah, I know it's bad. Elijah, I know that a lot of people have forgotten God, but notice this. I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal, so too at the present time there is a remnant. Let me say that to you again. At the present time, there is still a remnant that believes God, trusts God, and is honoring God. And listen, God has not changed. He will still honor those good old boys that are still dependent upon God to do his thing. So too, at the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. But if it's by grace, it's no longer the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. We need to understand that we, as Paul said, Paul made the statement, said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And this morning, as we, you honor pastor appreciation, I am what I am by the grace of God. And I look back and I see how awesome God has blessed me. But what I want you to know today that there is still a remnant. I said there's still a remnant, not just Oxford Assembly. Not just the Assemblies of God. I'm so glad that God's bigger than a denomination or a group of people. God is bigger than all of that. But there is a remnant that is still serving God. And I believe that remnant needs to take a stand just like I Uh, Elijah did a stand to show that there is a God in Israel. There is a God in Israel. See, Jesus spoke of Elijah. And I remind you that Elijah was not of the priesthood. He was not a priest. He was not from royalty. But he was a prophet that would once again prove that there was a God in Israel. Samuel, the last judge, but also actually the first person that filled the office of a prophet. There were prophets before him, but not the office of prophet. And he started a school of prophets, the school of ministry. Samuel started that, and Elijah and Elisha were both part of it. And Elijah comes upon the scene. In 1 Kings chapter 17. Now, there's so much here today. There's no way that I can cover it all. No way that I can cover it all. But I want to just share with you some things about this prophet by the name of Elijah that said, I want to prove that there is a God in Israel. I want to prove that there was a God or is a God in Israel. We see that introduction in chapter 17 where it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, that's the king, it was a wicked king, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, Thou shalt be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. He said, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. Now, he didn't give it a time limit because he didn't know when it was going to finish. He just knew that God told him that it was not going to rain. And for him to tell Ahab that it wasn't going to rain. Can you imagine me going up to the weather bureau and say, I just want y'all to know. That it's not gonna rain in the United States till I tell it to rain again. They say this guy is from the loony farm. And they wouldn't be far off. But we need to understand something, and you have to advance forward to 2 Kings. Not going to read a whole lot there, but in 2 Kings chapter 1, as we begin that chapter, I want to just point out to you three verses. Verse 3. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, the Tishbat, the same old guy, arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, is it because there is no God in Israel that you're going to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Drop down to verse 6. Notice what it says. Sounds familiar. And they said to him, there came a man to meet us. And said to us, go back to the king who sent you and say to him, thus says the Lord. Is it because there's no God in Israel that you're sending to inquire Beelzebub, the God of Akron? Drop down to verse 16. And said to them, thus says the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Akron. Is it because there's no God in Israel to inquire all of His word, did you catch it? Three times. He said, is there not a God of Israel? Now what brought that on? Because it was just a few months prior to that that Elijah had proved that there was a God of Israel. He had proved it. And we're going to look at that proof in just a minute but see over 10 times when god was speaking to elijah we see those important words the word of the lord in other words elijah was not speaking his feelings now i can tell you as a pastor as a preacher sometimes i want to tell you what i feel he was not speaking Of his opinion. And you know that sometimes I'll say this is my opinion. He was not speaking his political aspirations. He was speaking the word of God. He said thus says the Lord. Over ten times just in that one chapter. He said this is what God told me to tell you. This is what God said. Now, what was Elijah's goal? What was his mission? Well, I want you to go back to 1 Kings chapter 18 and we'll read that. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36. Oh, Lord, at that time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Oh, Lord, God of Abraham. Isaac in Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I've done all these things at your word. I cannot emphasize that enough. Elijah did nothing on his own. He did everything that God told him to do. Now I realize that sometimes we get an unction. Sometimes we get a prompting. Sometimes it's of God and sometimes it's a pizza we ate before we went to supper or went to bed. Sometimes we're speaking on our own. But when God speaks to us, and like I said, 10 times, over 10 times in that one chapter, he said, thus says the Lord, God told me to do this. Now, I know some of you say, well, Pastor, why are you emphasizing that? Because I don't want you to go off and do some harebrained thing and say, God told you to do it. If God didn't tell you to do it, don't blame God. I love the Holy Spirit. I love the working of the Holy Spirit. But how many of you seen some things that they blamed on the Holy Spirit that he had nothing to do with? Amen. Amen. Elijah said, I'm only telling you what God told me. And it's not going to rain until I set rain, going to rain. Gonna rain. And the reason I'm doing this is to prove one thing, that there is a God in Israel. There is a God in Israel. How many think that that's significant, that there is a God in Israel? That was his desire. And he said, all these things I do because of what God told me to do. What things Well, he did numerous miracles. This man who was not a king, not a priest, but a man from insignificant background, spoke the word of God. But how did he prove that there was a God in Israel? How did he prove that there was a God of Israel? Well, he made a challenge. He made a challenge, and it's recorded in the book of First Kings. See, the next two and a half years, we read the first few verses. But the next two and a half years of ministry was also about waiting. Actually, how long did the drought last? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. During that three and a half years, he went out and lived by a creek. Ravens fed him. Until what happened? Why did the brook dry out? Because he answered the prayer. When it doesn't rain, the brook's going to dry out. Now, we don't like to hear this, but sometimes when we begin to pray in the will of God, he begins to allow things to happen that we don't like. Uh Nobody likes for their brook to dry up. I mean, I would have enjoyed, I think, I think I would have enjoyed sitting out there by the brook, having birds bring me food every day. Huh? I mean, I could have just stayed on Facebook And just did my thing. Wouldn't it be nice to sit there and say, hey, hey, Raven, that bread you brought me yesterday is a little dry. Bring me a little bit better. No, he he didn't do that. He was there. But God began to do things. And one of the things he did, he caused the brook to dry up due to answered prayer. My kids and grandkids are here, and I love them dearly, and I thank God for them, and I pray for them, but some of you know that sometimes our prayers are really not what they should be. God, would you please deal with my son, but be gentle? Huh? Okay, God, would you bless my grandkids and give them everything they want, but don't spoil them? You understand where I'm coming from? Elijah had to pray. And sometimes when we pray and God begins to deal, it's not comfortable. The brook dries up. We're wanting God to change America, but we don't want to go through any kind of rough times. What if the only way we come back to God is for the rough times? Just ask him. Now, don't. Write that down and tell that's a prophecy from Pastor Strickland. I didn't say that. I'm just telling you, I know that that's the way God works sometimes. Sometimes he puts and tightens the screws. So we'll know that there's a God of Israel. See, the next period of time, it was a drought. But he was waiting. Many of us are waiting for the rapture. I'm waiting for the rapture. How many of you are waiting for the rapture? One of these days I'm going home. And y'all, I'm going home. But until then, there's more to do than sit by the creek bank. That only took a little while. During the next period of time, he was healing the sick. He was praying for a dead boy to be raised. He was ministering. And see, when God tells us as the church, he said, there's a remnant, but I want that remnant to be busy. I want you to occupy till I come. Why? Because he wants everybody to know that there is a God in Israel. He wants everybody to know that there is a God in Israel. See, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? See, while he was on the earth staying busy, he wasn't complaining, nor grumbling, but he was doing business. And so in the third years where we pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse one and two. I did the same thing in the first service. I'm getting wrong pages here. Y'all got to help me out. Chapter 18. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Now, how many knows that been tough? Why would it be tough? There had been arrest warrant, a warrant out for uh, Elijah's arrest all that period of time. They had been looking all over for him. And he said, Now God said, You go To Ahab, and you tell him that I'm going to send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah. Obadiah was another godly man who was over the household. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. I'm going to have to not read all this story, but Obadiah went to find uh, Elijah. And when Elijah saw him, he said, hey, Obadiah, go tell the king I'm going to come see him. He said, don't you do that. He'll kill you. And I can't go back and tell him because if I go tell him that I saw you, I'm going to be dead meat. Because there's been a worn out, now that's modern terminology. They've been after your head for months and they've been offering rewards. Anybody can find them. I'm not going to, help me out. Elijah, don't send me back to Ahab and tell him where you are because he'll kill me because I know you, you'll disappear again. That's the story. He said, that's what he did. So Elijah said, that's okay, I'll go. I'll go and I'll see the king myself. I'll go and sing. And then there's a story where he challenges The nation, the prophets of Baal. He said, I want you to do something. We're going to have a contest. Now, this contest again originated from God, not with Elijah. He was only doing what God had told him to do. He said, But you, we're going to have a contest. You get all your prophets of Baal, and I will meet you on the mountain. And we're going to see who can call fire down from heaven. You go first. He had hundreds of prophets, men with prestige and prominence. All these people that worshiped Baal, they were leaders, the priests. And Elijah laughed at them. He said, Y'all need to cry a little louder, y'all need to cut your arms a little deeper. Maybe you need to shout because he may not be in the hearing. And one translator said, you need to shout real loud because he may be at the bathroom. That's what he wants to indicate. He said, you need to get your God's attention. And guess what? After all that crying and after all that prayer, he didn't show up. And I just said, okay, I don't want you to think that this is a trick of hand. Now, see a lot of people wonder why. Well, why did he have them bring up barrels of water? He didn't want anybody to think that he had anything to do with it. He was not performing magic. He said, I want to prove one thing. I want to prove that there is a God in Israel. I want to prove that there's one, there is a God of Israel. So bring up all these barrels of water, dump it on the offering or the altar, wet it down good, and then fill up the ditch around it. Well, I can tell you that probably was a rough job because they had probably had to go all the way to the ocean to get it. There was a drought. They carted that water up and poured it. They carted it up and poured it and got water in the ditches. And it had been dry. It probably took gallons and gallons and gallons of water. And Elijah said, Stand back and watch God. He said, I want to prove that there is a God in Israel. Like that. Didn't yell. Now let me go ahead and say something here. A lot of people said, I don't think we need to get loud. We don't have to get loud because God's not hard of hearing. But I can also tell you he's not nervous either. Okay? Instantly, the fire came down and consumed and dried up the water. And then we could talk about the story of how Elijah went up the mountain, kept looking for a hand. I mean, excuse me, kept looking for a cloud. Had to go up the mountain, or he sent his servant seven times to go up to the top, and it wasn't there. And finally saw a cloud the size of his hand. He said, it's fixing to rain. It's fixing to rain. But let's get back to the topic. He proved to those people that there was a God In Israel. Some of you saying, okay, Pastor, that's a great story. How do we apply it today? Do you think that there's a lot of people saying today that God is just a figment of our imagination? Have you heard even Christians say, Where is God? Where is this God of the Christians? Where is He? Do you think we could possibly ask the same question that Elijah asked? Is there not a God of Oxford? Is there a God of the villages? Sumter County? How I many knows that there's many in America that don't want nothing to do with God? But I think that you and I as a church, we need to show the world that there is a God. Now, I know somebody said, well, so a Pastor, we don't have the authority. We don't have the ability to perform miracles. Well, I can tell you that that's not true. I can tell you that God is still a God of miracles, that he still does awesome things. And he just needs people to pray and believe and trust God. But there is, is there God in Oxford? Guess what? And like I said, I don't want to take away from the miraculous Matter of fact, I want you to bow your heads right now. I was prompted to do this when I was sitting over there singing a while ago. Because this message is not about the supernatural miracles, but I know that God is a miracle-working God. Father, right now, before we conclude this message, there's a lot of things that I can't do. We can't prove supernaturally that you're God by our own ability but God you can God there are people sitting in this building right now they need a miracle and I ask you to move on their behalf God those are working watching online they need a miracle there's that one that's been having these intense headaches I have no idea why, but God, you're able to heal them right now. There are those that are overcoming COVID right now that need a miracle. And we pray for the miraculous hand of God to work. Whether they're here, at home, or in the hospital. God, I'm believing that we will receive testimony of how you did the impossible. How you instantaneously healed just as quickly as you rained fire down from heaven. God, that you minister to the needs of these, your people. And God, that you minister in a very real and wonderful way. That you would prove that there's a God in America. That you would prove that there's a God in Florida. That you would prove that there's a God in Sumter and Lake and Citrus and Marion Counties. We're depending upon you to do it supernaturally. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. You say, is it that simple? Yeah, it's that simple. Because God's able to do it. But I ask you this. Are you up to the challenge to prove that there is a God in Oxford? say, how in the world do we do that? We want to allow for the miraculous. But remember when they were in the upper room, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, right before he was to leave there and go get on the cross, he did not say, by this or these miracles shall all men know that you're my disciples. What do you say? By this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you have love one for another. And I can tell you, there's some folks that take supernatural power to God, allow me to love them. But there is a God in Oxford. You say, why would you say that? Because my book, my Bible tells me that where I am, God is. Where I am, God is. And I may not be able to perform the miracles myself, but by the authority invested in me, by the Word of God, not by the state of Florida. That's what they use for weddings. By the power invested in me by the word of God in the state of Florida. I'm glad the state of Florida did not have nothing to do with it. I'm glad my power does not have to go through Washington, D.C. because it'd be taxed before it got back. It would be diluted. It would be a totally different bill than it got when it left here. I'm glad it doesn't have to do that. But I'm glad that my God is able to do. And he wants to prove. Let me think God wants to prove that there is a God in Oxford. How many thinks he wants to prove that there's a God in your family? Well, how does he prove it? As we love one another. And while we're waiting for whatever he's got in store for us to be about the Father's business. I believe in miracles. Why? Because the Bible says miracles shall follow those that believe. But he also says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. I want to read verse chapter 18, verse 36 again. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let me be known this day that you're God in Israel and that I am your servant. And that all I have done, all these things at your word. He said, I want everybody to know it's not Elijah. I'm just the servant of the Most High God. At your word, I want to do it. Back around 1949, a guy by the name of Stuart Hamlin had a TV show. Yes, it was black and white then. They had a, a show, and it was a country music. He was known as a singing cowboy. And you say, "I've never heard of Stuart Hamlin. Well, he had a guest on there that you may have heard of this guy. This guy's name was Billy Graham, and he was on there promoting a crusade in Los Angeles, California. How many thinks Los Angeles could use one today? He was promoting a Billy Graham crusade. And he invited Stuart Hamlin to the crusade. Well, Stuart Hamlin, this singing cowboy, got saved. And he shared his testimony with a friend. Now, this friend, you may have heard of him more than you had Stuart Hamlin. His friend's name was John Wayne. And John Wayne said, You need to put that what your testimony to words. And so Stuart Hamlin did. It is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others. He'll do for you. The second verse is this. There is no night. For in his light. You never walk alone. You always feel at home. Wherever you may roam. There is no power. Can conquer you. While God is on your side. Take him. At his promise. Don't. Run away and hide. It is no secret. What God can do. Stuart Hamlin found that to be true. Of course Billy Graham. Knew that to be true. John Wayne was impressed by the testimony. He said put that to music. And he did. So I asked you this question in closing. is there. Is there not a god in the villages you say well i'm not in the villages you put your na- your neighborhood there is there not a god in summerfield is there not a god in wildwood is there not a god jesus said it this way you are the light of the world a city on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Why? Because there is a God in Oxford. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for the miraculous. And God, we've already prayed for sickness. We've prayed for whatever need there is. And God, I want you to continue to move and minister, but help us to realize today that you've called each one of us to be a witness that there is a God. Why? Because you live within us. Your light is within us, and we let our light shine before others so they may see our good works, but to glorify the Father. And so that we may know, that we may know that there is a God in Oxford. God, we ask you to minister by your power, minister by your strength. Touch miraculously, but also touch spiritually that we can just feel your touch as we worship you now. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.